You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. Infant mortality from severe pertussis infection is close to 50%. Pertussis is highly communicable with attack rates up to 80% in the non-immune members of a household. Primary sources of these infections are parents and adolescents and adult caregivers who are still not immunized against pertussis. And with me today is Dr. Stanley Gall, the professor of OBGYN and public health at the University of Louisville Medical Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. Gall is also the chair of the ACOG Task Force on Adult and Maternal Immunization. And we'll discuss today the positive and negatives of immunization for pertussis and how it affects our patient population. Welcome, Dr. Gall. Thank you. So many health professionals believe pertussis is a disease only of childhood, better known as whooping cough. Can you tell us why healthcare providers for adults should really be discussing this issue? Well, I think they should be discussing it because there are an increasing number of cases that have been reported in the U.S. The low recently has been 1,000 cases in 1976, but now it's estimated there are about 28,000 cases of pertussis in the U.S., and part of the problem is in making the diagnosis because there isn't an easy way to make it. However, it's not only a kid's disease, it certainly affects adults. And if you're talking about where it really hits, it's in the newborn and the neonate, and the severe morbidity and mortality occur in the infants less than six months of age and usually be less than three months of age. How do you think the clinical presentation will look for an adult who does have pertussis? Well, the person who has pertussis will... After exposure, there'll be about 10 days, there'll be the incubation period. Then they'll develop sort of like a cold-like runny nose type thing, very low-grade fever, which they'll have sort of gradually increasing a little cough. At that time, they become infectious when the cough starts because they have the bacteria in the tracheobronchial tree, and when they start coughing, then they can spread it that way. Generally, the diagnosis is made after three weeks of cough, and that's sort of the clinical definition of pertussis. If you're coughing for three weeks, you have pertussis. That's really unfortunate that it takes that long because uh, frequently by that time, people have been treated with antibiotics or may have been treated with antibiotics or may not have been treated with antibiotics. Well, and everyone else around you has been exposed while that's been going on. Absolutely, and the type of exposure is large particles, so it isn't as infectious as measles or chickenpox. It is infectious for household members and people in the immediate vicinity. By that, I mean within six or eight feet from you. It sounds initially when you were describing that, that it's almost like a common cold for most people. So is there any definitive or suggested ways to diagnosis if you thought pertussis was the issue? Well, if you thought of it, then the gold standard is culturing. But even in the best of hands, because it's a fastidious organism, cultures are only positive at the optimal time in about 80%. And as the days go by, the culture results get less. Unfortunately, there's not an FDA PCR test that's been approved by the FDA so that individual hospitals may develop a PCR, but they're not standardized. So the diagnosis becomes difficult to make on the basis of either culture or on the basis of PCR. And how are we treating pertussis if we're lucky enough to figure it out? Well, we're treating with antibiotics. Obviously, we'd like to prevent it with vaccine, but antimicrobial agents 
would be helpful if you start early. Once you get out three weeks, the antibiotics are not going to be helpful and your thing really has to run its own course. So most people get what's called a DPT during their childhood immunizations until early adolescence. And so when is the last time you were protected for pertussis from that series of immunizations? Well, it's estimated that you are protected until early adolescence. And that is why we're seeing a large increase in the number of cases in in adolescent individuals because it's been 10 years since they've gotten their last pertussis. And up till just recently, there hasn't been a licensed pertussis that's been approved by the FDA over age five. Currently, there are two products that are licensed for adolescents and adults. One product is from age 11 to 18, and the other one is from age 11 to 64. So there is some vaccine now available for the adolescent and for the adult. You're suggesting this is the Tdap that we are currently having available? Right, Tdap. And this Tdap is a little different than the one you give for children because the diphtheria in it is a reduced concentration of diphtheria. And the pertussis is different as well, isn't it? Well, the pertussis antigens are different in the two products that are on the market. How so? Well, one has three antigens and one has five antigens. And the one that's currently available in the U.S. is the... Well, there's a GSK product called Boostrix, which is approved, I believe, from age 11 to 18. And then there's Adacel, which is a Sanofi Pasteur product, which is approved from age 11 to age 64. The Sanofi product has five antigens and the GSK product has three antigens. In general, you know, we get as clinicians a lot of questions about are vaccines safe? Is there anything about the adult Tdap that you would find reassuring to tell to patients? Well, I would say it's been used in a lot of people and you get your usual type of uh, injection type reactions, but the acellular pertussis is much, much less reactogenic than the old whole cell pertussis. So things that the current young adults received when they were a little kid was a lot more reactogenic than this acellular pertussis that's currently being used. Remember, there's tetanus in it also, so there's some reactivity to that. If you're just joining us, you're listening to a discussion on decreasing pertussis infection in adults and possible adult immunization on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, and I am speaking with Dr. Stanley Gall today on this topic. So, Dr. Gall, we were just talking about some of the benefits of the vaccine, and I also think that the Adacil, which is the adult Tdap that's available, does not contain thermosol. And I think a lot of people are concerned about the additives as far as they affect patients and possibly if they're pregnant, their children. Do you think that's a good thing, that sure. the thermosol's not in it? Currently, the only vaccines in the U.S. that have some thimerosal in it is a multidose influenza vaccine. No other than the vaccines have thimerosal, and that was removed in the year 2000. How much does Tdap cost, do you know? Gosh, I really don't know what Tdap runs. I'd have to say it runs $40, $45, but I could be, I could be wrong. The CDC has actually been giving a push for this, and so there's actually some free at some of the hospitals. And I understand that Walgreens is doing it for about 40 or $60, and it's covered on a lot of insurances. So it's always nice to be able to tell people it's somewhat economic. Who do you strongly recommend to get Tdap? Well, my screening is I ask a patient when they got their last tetanus shot. Most patients don't remember, so they automatically get Tdap. If it is more than two years since their last tetanus shot, they should get Tdap. Now, we know that tetanus protects them for longer than two years, but only 2% of the U.S. population is protected against pertussis. 
And the only way we're going to get at that group is using a surrogate. If I ask a patient, have you ever had whooping cough, they'd look at you and like you're from out of space. Mm-hmm. Because whooping cough for adults is sort of not even on the radar screen. But if you ask them about have they had a tetanus shot, they'll remember because usually they got it in the emergency room someplace. And if they don't, then they are a candidate for pertussis. It's anticipated that the current Tdap vaccine will be effective for approximately 10 years. Currently, the CDC does not recommend a repeat because there is no data available on repeat dosing. But by the time it comes for a repeat dose, there will be data. Do you think there's any concern about giving the tetanus type of the vaccine more often than every 10 years? Well, there have been large studies done. Actually, there's a large study done in Prince Edward Island, and every adolescent there apparently uh, received Tdap regardless of when they got their last tetanus shot. And so there was really no increased reactivity in any of them. And so the CDC has recommended that if it's more than two years, it should be perfectly fine. And that's what we use at our institution. Do you think there's someone who should not receive Tdap, somebody it's contraindicated in? I think if a person has had an anaphylactic reaction to tetanus TD before or to whole cell pertussis before, they should not receive that. And do you think it's safe in pregnant patients? I happen to think it's very safe in pregnant patients in our institution. We routinely administer Tdap during pregnancy. I think it's important either give it before pregnancy, during pregnancy, or after pregnancy is over. You can make a strong case that With it, you protect the mom, and we know from studies that about a third of the pertussis in infants comes from the mother. About 50% is unknown. Remember, the infant gets their Tdap injections at two, four, and six months, and they're not protected until they get to six months of age. So certainly there are passive antibodies that go from mom to baby, and you get some protection early on when the largest morbidity and mortality occur in the neonate. Are there any side effects or negative sequelae to being immunized with Tdap? As far as long-term, the side effects that have occurred are those that have been related to injection site reactivity. Occasionally, there may be erythema or edema at the injection site, and the reactivity that children get with being swollen arms occurs really infrequently in the adult. And in pregnancy, people are even less reactive than they are when they're not pregnant to injections. Do you think in general that there is anything else we can do to reduce pertussis between folks other than immunization? Yeah, if somebody would get us a good diagnostic test, that would be very helpful to make the diagnosis. And I think we would see there's a huge number of cases that are non-reported. Maybe that would stimulate people to be more interested in it. The pertussis is treated with a Z-Pak, is that correct? Yes. So do you think that if until we have a diagnostic test that people should be more aggressive in treating these more like viral symptoms? Well, if you treat them more like viral symptoms, then they're not going to get any antibiotic. Mm-hmm. And that's really the problem because they have to be coughing for three weeks to make the diagnosis. You're in an area where there has been a lot of pertussis, so you have your level of interest is a lot higher in those patients. And then I think that treating with antimicrobial agents would probably be perfectly justified. So we're basically saying that if after a week, if someone seems to have the symptoms we've described, we wouldn't suggest going right to antibiotics because it could still just be a viral syndrome. It sure could be. And obviously, we don't want to make any bacterial resistance. Do you know if there has been any whooping cough resistance to the Z-Packs or azithromycin? I have not seen any, but that doesn't mean there hasn't been any. Can you make some suggestions in how people who do not have Tdap readily available may implement these kind of immunization plans in their community? Certainly, practitioners can 
instituted in their own practice. The other thing is frequently the health department in the city, the city health department or county health department, frequently will carry the vaccine with them. The other thing is we know that there's been encouragement in emergency departments to substitute Tdap for TD because many, many of the injections are given in emergency rooms. That would be another avenue. And we think the cost is not going to be significantly different. No, I don't believe so, no. Well, adult immunization with Tdap, that's tetanus, diphtheria, toxoid, and acellular pertussis, has been developed to reduce the pertussis infection that is seen in the infant and adult population with excellent safety profiles. Thank you to Dr. Stanley Gall, who's been our guest. We've been discussing this adult immunization with Tdap. I'm Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, and you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and podcast, visit ReachMD.com. For comments or questions, call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you.